in the 21st century Hard-working people working hard for you and me Moving higher time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving higher Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Chip Nunger. Chip is with Blue Reef Agri-Marketing in Morton, Illinois. And this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Wheel, your premier ag tire and wheel provider in North America, helping people grow, tractor zoom, delivering insights, and dry shod boots, the official work boot of Moving Iron Podcast. So with as much of this uh, bullshit that's running around, Chip, I think I need a pair of those dry shod boots because there's a... There's a pile of stuff coming down, whether it's uh, with all these government programs that are coming out. So Tuesday they came out with a uh, a uh, pretty pretty robust package of stuff, and um, just like the uh, PPP thing, they they had a uh, here's 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 the basic outline of what you're going to do, and lo and behold, they started changing everything, and this wasn't clear, and that wasn't clear, and I don't think they knew what was to do with it, so. Here we are with the same kind of scenario, I guess. So, can you make heads or tails of uh, of Tuesday's big announcement for the uh, for the CCC and the and the other CARES package for the Agricultural Division? Yeah, it it uh, it is a little bit confusing, and there's some you know different ways to um, to read between the lines and different uh, opinions, but they are starting to zero in on that. So, essentially, on the grain side. It looks like you're going to, now this is, you know, about as simple as you can make it because it, it seems like when they do these programs, they, uh, they lock like five engineers in a hotel room and say, don't come out until you have the most convoluted uh, plan. <laughs> I, I do not want a simple plan. Yeah. You got to make this like really hard to, to follow and implement. Uh, but it, it does look like on the, on the grain side. You're going to get um, paid on up to a maximum of half your crop if it was unpriced as of January 15th. And you're going to get about uh, 60, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say about, Casey, I've got it right here. You're going to get uh, 67 cents a bushel on corn on up to half your crop. But then you have to multiply that by 50%. And so essentially, if you had half your crop or more unpriced as of January 15th, you're going to get 65 cents a bushel. I'm sorry, 67 cents a bushel on a quarter of your crop. And you're going to get 95 cents a bushel on a quarter of your bean crop, assuming you had half of it unpriced. And on, um, there was actually a 38 cent payment on wheat as well. So another way of thinking about that is what bushels you have unpriced, uh, as of the 15th of January, you're going to get half of that payment is it's one in the same. So that's the, uh, the way they kept it confusing is there's that 50% multiplier there. Um, so that's oh. what that's what's in the bid, right? That's what you've got sitting in your in storage right now, um, unpriced from well, the, the twenty nineteen. Yeah, that's where year. we need a little more a little more guidance as well. Okay. Um, 
so it's as it's it's inventory right but what uh-huh. is inventory because you could have uh, a basis contract that uh, the corn has already moved uh, but it's not fully priced yet you haven't priced a futures part of that out um you know is that inventory it's it's unpriced arguably so there still needs to be a little bit of guidance uh, from the USDA or the FSA offices on this um so that's still a little bit up in the air, I guess. Okay. So if I were to, uh, I guess, with the, with the way December contracts were were being priced in June and July of 2019, how much how much unpriced product can there be out there? Well. There's a lot. Okay. There's a lot, but there's also a lot of uh, of basis contracts as well, and that's okay. so. There's some confusion on whether that uh, is gonna is gonna count or not, right? Because uh-huh. a lot of that was even even going back to fall, right? You can roll a basis contract, so there's still some of that out there that would be left. Um, you know, the bushels were were moved in maybe December or January or February, and and there's still a lot of unpriced basis contracts against the July futures right now, uh, especially on corn, but probably to a lesser extent on beans. Um, I think there's more corn unpriced and unsold out there than, than there is beans, but there's a pretty sizable amount, I would say, just talking to different elevators uh, uh, around. Uh, gotcha. But, you know, yeah. not all of it's in bins, um, and so that's where the confusion comes in with with this program and you know what counts what doesn't yep. for sure if it's in your bin uh or it was in your bin as of january 15th that definitely counts but you know other types of cash contracts specifically basis contracts there's a little bit of, of gray area on right now right on okay so we have the kansas yeah. wheat tour going on right now and it, and um they are they're finding a uh a lower crop potential than they've than they've than they actually projected. So, uh, talk about the wheat a little bit. Also, like in Ukraine right now, I guess I'm reading an article right now that says they only have 300 metric tons of of wheat left to export. So that's left available for export anyway. So, I mean, there's a it sounds like there's some positive um, could be some positive moves in uh, in wheat as we move through the start of next week. Yeah, then and earlier this week, um, we kind of got hit with with some of that. So the market, um, you know, ran up in um, on that frost scare in, mm-hmm. in late March, right? And then you know, over the next five six weeks, kind of fell down to um, multi month lows here, and we got to actually exceeded the March low by a quarter of a cent. And then we got, um, you know, the wheat tour started, kind of reporting uh, a little bit lower than expected yields there. And then there was some statements out of Russia that maybe their crop isn't even, um, may not even be as big uh, as a year ago. And and that really shocked the market. The market thought that that crop would be way bigger. And um, and so the market had a huge rally. Um, Wednesday was up, I don't know, 16, 17 cents. Yesterday was up eight nine cents at one point, so we've had uh, from the lows this week, uh, which would be four ninety three and three quarters. This is in the in the uh, Chicago wheat contract. 
the high yesterday was uh, 424. So we had a, a heck of a three-day rally. And then, like the wheat market uh, often does, we're we're sitting here, um, you know, pre, I guess, uh, overnight, um, just getting ready to close, and we're down eight and three quarters. Uh, Kansas City uh, wheat had a nice rally. So uh, some of it was technical and chart-based that we held those lows from March, and you had people get out of some short positions and, you know, kind of pick around trying to pick a bottom and, and get long. And, uh, and now you're seeing a little bit of a back off. So the, those lows still should be pretty good. I, if they give way, it's probably not a good sign. But you got some uncertainty uh, with both the Russian crop uh, and the Kansas crop. And still dry, as you mentioned, in, in parts of Kansas. It's dry in Europe. Um, so, you know, wheat yields look to be uh, not getting bigger and, and probably shrinking. And that's some of the reason for the support we've seen in wheat. It's been one of the one of the only bright spots uh, here this week is uh, is the wheat market, and you know, it looks like it's given back some of those gains uh, here today. But we do have a long weekend as well as no markets Monday for Memorial Day, so can't read too much into uh, price action today ahead of a long weekend. So the other, so yesterday we had two reports. We had the weekly export report come out, and then we had the cold storage report come out as well, and. The frozen beef stocks took quite a big dip, um, more than what they had actually expected. So I guess what's that, as you take a look at that, I know we're still having issues getting stuff pushed through processing plants, but I guess as you take a look at the cold storage report, there seems to be a little bit of a glimmer of hope there. Yeah, the, the cold storage report is a, is a tough report always. It's really volatile. Um, and it's, it's hard to peg. And, and so reading between the lines a little bit, we did have, uh, you know, fairly sizable decreases in, in uh, both pork and beef stocks. But I, I think relative to what maybe was expected, it, it wasn't quite as big a drop as expected. Um, and, and so I don't know how the markets will take this um, necessarily. Um, because I think they were expecting a bigger, a bigger drawdown in, in those stocks, you know, than, than what we, uh, we actually saw. Okay. There's a little bit of a lag in it. And, you know, sometimes it's, you know, that, that report is just really tough to, to, uh, to gauge and, and even the reaction to it. So I don't know, like you said, it's such an uncharted territory that we're in. There's, there's nothing to go back on and say, you know, the last time this happened, um, you know, prices did this because it's it's never happened. Right. You know, we're just trying to find a new equilibrium on the kills are definitely going up and plants are, you know, starting to function at a higher capacity now. And, you know, we had a, basically record beef and pork prices and trouble getting it on the store shelves. And, and so we're, you know... As the kills have increased, the uh, and obviously we drew down some of those stocks out of cold storage to fill the, the, the gap, but as those kills have increased and the plants have returned, um, you've seen you know big drops in pork and beef, and so the futures are sitting there saying, yeah, I, I, where do we go here? It's been pretty volatile in both hogs and cattle, and and it probably will be for uh, for a while to come. You know, June cattle are sitting here under ninety nine dollars, and the most recent cash trade is uh, at least one fifteen. Uh, you know, towards one twenty even. 
So you've got a huge gap between where the the June live cattle futures are and where the cash market is, but you still have five or six weeks left to kind of see that converge and, and get to where uh, there is a little bit of equilibrium there. So uh, it, it's going to be an interesting ride in, in these uh, hog and cattle futures. And uh, you got a cattle on feed report out this afternoon as well. So that'll come uh, after the after the close, um, and then you've got a long weekend. So lots of volatility ahead of us, uh, and it's been a real challenge. You know, it's just it's a challenging time for uh, these livestock producers. Um, recently, you know, gra- grain grain operations uh, certainly it's not been a an easy road, but uh, what a what a debacle in uh, you know on the livestock side hogs and cattle both and even poultry people there's not many individual uh you know small poultry operations anymore a lot of that's you know vertically integrated and mm-hmm. corporately owned big 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 corporations but uh the whole ag side has been uh, is, is searching for some stability let's put it that way yeah no kidding about that so i guess as you take a look back through this week uh wednesday we were 20,000 head off on, on the cattle on the butcher side, 20,000 head off uh, from where we were this time last year. Um, so we're getting closer, right? Getting closer back to, to some level of normalcy there, um, slow but sure type of deal. Um, you got this uh, cold storage report, then you get the cattle on feed thing. Mash those three things together. Do you feel like there could be some, some upside on the beef coming up, beef market coming up? Um, I, I, I do. I, I think cattle um, are going to be supported in here just because of the big discount, uh, right? I mean, mm-hmm. even if even if you come uh, down to 110, you know, on the cash cattle trade here over the coming weeks um, with the with the June futures at, uh, you know, basically 98 and a half. There would be some some upside there, and certainly pretty limited downside. If the cash market holds together into the first half of June, and we're sitting here at 120 on the 15th of June, then uh, at least the June live cattle have some upside. The deferreds are are where the question is, right? Because it's you know we back some cattle up, obviously, as these plants have been closed and and uh, you know struggling with capacity issues. So there's there's a lot of heavy cattle out there that's kind of um, you know been been backed up, but yet the last cattle on feed report um, we really have a big hole here, and and this cattle on feed report is expected to show, uh, you know again just confirm uh, you know a big uh, big lower way lower number of cattle on feed than what we've had in in many many years, and so as you go forward, if things were quote unquote normal, um, you know pre virus type. Uh, environment. I mean, you'd have some reasons to be really friendly on cattle out here in the in the long run, out in the deferreds, uh, because uh, there's you know way fewer on feed than we've had in a long, long time. And um, but you know, what's that mean now? What, you know, are these plants going to be able to stay? You know, get closer to running at 100 percent and and stay running at 100 percent? Are we going to have flare ups again in the values? There's so <coughs> many questions out there, but. Uh, fundamentally, the you know the cattle market has some reasons, um, you know, to have some good support underneath of us. But what we don't need is another debacle of what happened before, and you know, big flare up and 
and you know multiple plants closing at the same time. So that risk is always out there, right? I mean, it's, yeah. you know, we preach about this all the time. You you got to have a plan. You know, when you see the rallies, you got to use some of the tools out there, even if it's just a old fashioned put, just to get some floors out there to keep from a debacle and you know. The, the, the massive drop we saw in seventy-five or eighty-dollar cattle futures for for no real uh, good reason. Uh, so it's yeah, I think there's going to be possibly huge ranges out there. But I, I think of anything, the the cattle market has some reason to feel a little optimistic out there. Um, hogs, I, I you know I think we've gone through some liquidation. We've we've uh, I think we've slaughtered a lot of of sows more so than many, many years. I think a couple weeks back, um, we hit, I think a 10 year high in sow slaughter. Um, you know, and so I think that there's, you know, that supply is going to tighten up, which we needed it to. We've just been on such an upward growth trajectory in the pork industry for multiple years running like three to 4% increase year after year after year. And so, you know, you, you get some stability out there and longer term, I think that the hog market could have um, some reasons to, to be a little bit optimistic too, but we're still struggling with a lot of supply here in the, in the short run. And I know there's been some liquidation and sow slaughter and, you know, destroying, you know, market ready animals because we couldn't get them to the plant and a uh, lot of disruption there, but uh, still overall big supply. But I think, um, you know, some of this liquidation that we've seen, you know, we, we will see the effects of that. It just might take, um, you know, a couple, three months, two, three, four, five months to kind of feel. And, and hopefully we can kind of stay running smoothly um, on the on the packing side as close to full capacity as, uh, as what we can get right now and uh, and not have any disruptions there. That, that'll be the kiss of death again is if we can... Uh, get through without seeing a big drop off again in kill capacity um, i think things will go a lot better if we run into you know this fall and winter this uh, a resurgence of the virus and hitting these packing plants hard again uh, that'll be a, a another another nightmare scenario yeah they had a there's a website that has a does a lot of auctions every week and it's called big iron auctions and they had a they were selling off some some pigs on their on their Wednesday auction the other day. So some live pigs. Um, somebody listed them for sale. So that kind of shows you the desperation out there in the hog market. Yeah, it's been. It's just um, you know you want to talk about uh, just in time you know uh, supply chain. The hog industry was a perfect example of that. You know, I mean, it was uh, it was a finely oiled machine. And, um, and there was no, you know, who would have thought, I mean, you talk about a black, a black swan on top of a black swan, no one really could foresee that, but it, it exposed a, a real problem there. And that is if you can't run at full capacity, uh, you know, the machine breaks down and it's not just one part, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, fat hogs all the way down to, you know, feeder pigs, the, the sow facilities. I mean, it just throws a monkey wrench in a bunch of gears if you can't uh, get the animals killed at full capacity. And I don't know what the answer is to that. Uh, people are searching for that now. 
A lot of people think it's more plants. It's uh, more smaller plants spread out. I don't know if there is an answer. I'm not advocating one or the other. I know it's uh, a high dollar endeavor to build a packing plant from scratch. That's why there's not more of them. You know, it's a right. multi-billion dollar uh, endeavor. It's not just anybody can go out and just let's let's build a packing plant today. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot too, and you can't, and it doesn't just happen overnight, right? It takes a couple of years to put one of those things together. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's exactly it's uh, it's, it's been a it's been a uh, a boom for the uh, you know local um, you know lockers and I mean massive demand. I had a guy tell me the other day that uh, they raise a few free, freezer beef and and uh, their locker called him up and they said, hey, you you're you're good for October, right? And he's like, well. Yeah, yeah, we're they're like no October of twenty one, so they're booking yeah. you know eighteen months out and getting <coughs> getting full. Yeah. So that's that's partially the answer, and um, certainly those businesses uh, are seeing a, a big increase in, in demand through this, and, and that'll probably continue. You know, that's yep. that's probably a, a change that um, is going to uh, stick for a while. Yeah, but that's you know we kill. I don't know, 600,000 plus uh, cattle a week. And, you know, I don't know what the number is. Close to two million and a half hogs, call it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, local packing plants or local, you know, lockers, you know, can't have that kind of capacity. So that's only part of the solution. But, uh, you know, that's maybe one of the good benefits is some of these locally owned small family operations um, are, are going to see the benefit of some uh, some increased business. So yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah, I'm a wicked smart guy, so I thought, hey, you know what? I'll, 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 no one's thought of this yet, right? So I'm going to go. I'll get this. I'm going to be way ahead of the curve on this. I called about, I was like, I'll buy a, buy a cow and I'll buy a pig and take them to the local locker and get them, uh, get them chopped up, throw them in the freezer, right? I thought, hey, you know, no one's thought of this yet, right? Yeah, it was like February or March before I was kind of before I was going to get either one of them. <laughs> so, so I uh, guess I'm not as smart as I thought I was. So you guys tied up to the tree in the backyard. Then I, just, uh, I asked the guy like, "What am I going to do with this? If I get a cow, what what do I do with it?" And he's like, "I, just, I don't know." <laughs> but <laughs> don't bring it here till February. <laughs> so, well, you could be like my kids, yeah. and, and there's probably some truth to this. They think you can learn anything from uh, from YouTube, mm. so you just get on there and you just do it yourself. Yeah, I can just throw it in the backyard. I'm sure my wooden privacy fence will will fare well <laughs> with uh, a cow and a pig <laughs> running around back there. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right, so China is uh, swearing up and down that that they're going to buy stuff from us. I mean, they they you know it's, it's every it's always next week, but they're they're uh, they're swearing they're going to buy stuff from us. And so that's kind of got the markets watching anyway. You know, the export reports have become more and more important because of that. And uh, But on the flip side of that, China also decided that, you know, this Hong Kong thing has kind of gotten, is kind of growing old on us here. So we're going we're gonna to put the hammer down on that. And we are going to uh, pass some legislation that basically uh, says uh, we're going to treat you just like we treat the rest of, uh, rest of China. And... Uh, you know, enjoy it because it's coming. So that's also got the markets rattled a little bit too. So I guess as you take a look at this whole China thing, um, I've read 
two articles this week about how there's going to be just these massive amounts of corn and soybeans get bought um, soon. You know, well, they don't really define what soon means, but it's soon, right? I guess, what's your thoughts on all this stuff? I mean, it's a double-edged sword, right? We've got commodities going out, allegedly, and uh, we got this, uh, one of the biggest financial markets in the world um, is on really on the verge of being taken over by a, a communist country um, and, and kind of run like, like they run everything else in the country. Yeah, it's, I don't know how that uh, turns out, right? I mean, there's going to be a lot of turmoil with that. There already has been a lot of turmoil. Um, the markets are, there's a lot of tough talk and kind of a war of words going on right now, not only between the president Trump and China, but other countries in the world yeah. in China because of the, their handling of the, or mishandling of the virus issue. And then now the Hong Kong, um, you know, transition and, and, you know, you throw the phase one trade deal in there. The market, the, the market action tells you that there is a lot of fear that the phase one trade deal will not be lived up to by China. Yep. Um, but like you said, e- even the main uh, U.S. trade rep yesterday said, yeah, we're it's 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 a go. They're going to ramp this thing up. And they have been by, you know, mm-hmm. the proof's in the pudding and they have been um buying greater amounts of U.S. Um, goods, particularly beans. Right. Now, they haven't for a week or so, and, and so that just shows you how highly sensitive the bean market is to that. You know, we tried to rally. We, we did rally uh, 20, 30 cents off the lows uh, as China was buying some of those beans. We haven't seen them, uh, any confirmed purchases for um, you know, a week plus, and you know, now we're back. We, we puked the market yesterday. We were down a couple overnight here. And so the market, is, the bean market especially, is highly sensitive to um, Chinese business. They've been big buyers of pork for uh, a, a while. In this most recent report yesterday, they were actually uh, net cancellations. That's just their game, you know. And um, they do that in the beans, too. Buy a bunch of them. Cancel it. The market gets too high, and they want to buy it cheaper. They, you know, they just they play the market, and um, so it's it's always frustrating when you're talking about China, and it, it the market, the grain and ag markets are frustrated too. I, I mean, I am frustrated, so I am part of the market. You know, the market is just a you know combination of uh, of, of human emotions and. If I never heard the word China again, I probably um, would not shed any tears. Uh, unfortunately, there's such a, you know, the, the report yeah. yesterday, I mean, they were way more than 50% of our, our bean sales for the week. And so, unfortunately, that's the world we live in. And we need them as a buyer of our products, especially beans. But uh, but we'll see. I mean, Certainly, the the virus issues and the and the lockdown quarantine across the world slowed that down a little bit. But if they're if if they're truthful, if they're going to hold to that, um, then we need you know the next several weeks here, we're going to have to see an uptick in uh, you know in business yeah. across the board. Yep. And so if we don't, 
I think that's no matter what you hear from either side. I mean, it's either they they keep buying or they don't. And if they don't, they're not going to hit the levels that um, you know were laid out under the phase one trade agreement. So right. I think it'll be pretty simple. I think it won't take very long, and we're gonna we're gonna kind of know. Yeah. But uh, then you throw this whole Hong Kong thing, and it's just. Um, it's, it's a massive amount of noise out there right now. Yeah. All right, so speaking of soybeans, jump over and talk about that a little bit. And something on the horizon here that could absolutely affect the, the sell of, of U.S. Um, soybeans just because of how they'll be priced on the world market is um, Argentina has uh, about $65 billion in foreign debt um, that needs to get restructured, and there's about a half, uh, about a, half a billion dollars in uh, government bonds that are set to be uh, paid out and they are looking at probably another default here. So if they do that and the currency gets derated, um, that would make their soybeans fairly cheap on the overall market when you start looking at exchange rate. Um, I guess as you take a look at that situation there and then the growing situations that they've had there haven't been necessarily overwhelmingly good. I guess what are your thoughts about kind of the world soybean market and how South America is going to play a role in that. Yeah, that has been um, one of the bigger issues. Forget China for a minute. The Brazilian currency uh, against the U.S. dollar has, you know, just imploded. And um, so it just keeps them way more competitive. And uh, and even, even now, and like you said, Argentina's uh, economically on uh, unstable footing. So is Brazil, for that matter. Right. The the virus is uh, really running uh, through uh, Brazil, especially, and so that's going to continue. And uh, and yeah, that's a that's a real issue as their currency devalues, um, and and our dollar has held pretty pretty stable, pretty strong actually, relative to a lot of other currencies. Um, that's that's a competitive disadvantage to us, and we've really seen it. Um, uh, March and April was just massive, massive sales uh, of beans from Brazil, yeah. and uh, you know, like two thirds of those were to China. And so, I mean, like all time record by far. So now there's a limited supply, right? But um, all that does is spur those farmers to plant more beans. You know, I guess if there's anything, uh, you know, any place in the in the world where agriculture is uh, is good right now, it's uh, it's in South America, especially Brazil. They're, they're uh, they have made good money. They continue to. They're competitive. They're selling their products, uh, and, and I think they're going to you know continue to plant as many acres as they can uh, because it's it's incentivizing them to do so. And uh, that's going to be a headwind for for us here uh, going forward. So the, the currency situation in itself, uh, forget about all the other uh, trade war stuff going on in China. The, the currency situation is the is a big problem in itself right now uh, for our competitiveness. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now let's jump over and talk about the corn market and just what we see happening domestically here. The northern and eastern corn belts have just got inundated with rain it's just tons and tons of rain it's been coming in in you know five and six inches at a time type stuff um dams are breaking all over the place and those kind of things so um haven't really heard too many planning delay i mean obviously there's planning delays 
where where it's really really wet. But in in Iowa, Illinois, and Indiana, for the most part, it feels like there's been some decent planning action going on there. So I guess as you look at as we start rolling through the kind of coming to the end of planting season here, what are your thoughts on on the corn market and and acres planted? I think uh, corn acreage is going lower. <clears throat> um, I, I think that the the March report was the highest number you'll see. Um, in the South, it got too wet and too late. Yeah. And, and you definitely saw some acres, uh, switched down there away from corn, uh, North Dakota. There's just no way. I think their, uh, crop insurance, um, prevent plant date is the 25th, uh, which, uh, what that's Monday, I guess. <clears throat> and like you said, there's still like five, 6% of the crop from last year in the field in North Dakota. Right. And um, very little planted. So there's going to be a large amount of prevent plant uh, in North Dakota. It could be, it, uh, just just my opinion, it's not very scientific. It could be a couple million, a uh, million and a half to three million, probably pretty easily, of, of corn prevent plants in um, in North Dakota. Uh, and, 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 I, and, the, and the other thing is, and this doesn't matter necessarily, it won't matter till the combines roll, but uh, the Eastern Corn Belt is certainly, not, we had an early, early start. For as early a start as we had over here, um, it, it's quickly turning into uh, not an exact repeat of last year, but we've had a lot of rain. Uh, the sun hasn't been out literally for uh, seven or eight days here. Uh, it's cool. To, uh, you know, supposed to finally get to 80 tomorrow. But a lot of uh, the past several days, um, you know, we barely cracked 60 degrees, uh, low 60s for a high, tons of rain. Uh, what A lot of what was in the ground um, has emergence issues. Uh, there's a lot of seed in the ground and then got, you know, from 5 to 10 inches plus of, of rain on it over a week or 10 days, sitting in cold, wet conditions. So there's probably going to be some replant issues and there's still some crop left to plan and we need several more dry days uh with this 80 degree temperature come saturday we got an 80 percent chance of rain again um it, it's not ideal i mean it's not a perfect start over here in the eastern corn belt again and um the mar- you know after last year market doesn't care about that right. um, but my point with this is that it, it's you know we see the planning progress on monday afternoons and you say, oh, that was great, 80-some percent of the corn crops planted and, you know, perfect start. And it might be a perfect start in parts of Minnesota and, and, and Iowa and Nebraska, but uh, and there's a lot of corn ground, good corn ground there, but it is not a perfect start in the eastern corn belt by any stretch of the imagination, no matter what it says on the percent planted. Um, it's not real great conditions when it's as wet and cold as it's been here. And uh, it's not quite as wet as a year ago. But, you know, now it's saturated enough. It's 22nd of, of May. More rain coming Saturday. Yeah. Um, you know, if we get the rain Saturday, it'll be Friday. You know, it'll be a week, five to seven days to get back in. You know, you're pushing the end of May then. And uh, and it all worked out last year, but you replay last year and, and, uh, and, and plant a bunch of corn in the first uh, week or 10 days of June. You do that 10 years, and I don't know you're going to get uh, the same result we had last year more than once. Right. But, uh, we may we may test that theory again this year in some areas. Yeah. 
Well, good stuff as usual, Chip. Plenty of stuff going on here, and there's a million reasons why you need to be adjusting your plan right now based on all the stuff we talked about at the beginning of the podcast with um, government payments and, and what we just you know see happening in the world. So if folks are working on one or need help getting one started, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, best way is just call our office, 309-550-7213. Uh, we'd love to chat with you. Lots of stuff going on and uh, no no reason at all uh, to stick your head in the sand because uh, uh, even though that's <laughs> that's sometimes the easiest to just not worry about the markets right now. But uh, uh, even though we're grinding sideways in, in these grains, you know, crop insurance is a consideration. you got to have a plan and know what the next course of action is no matter which way the market breaks absolutely all right well i'm casey seymour with moving iron podcast make sure you check me out at movingironllc.com for all the latest uh, stuff considering uh moving iron got a moving iron summit coming up here in nashville tennessee september one through three um also check me out on facebook twitter and instagram at moving iron llc also uh, check out the global ag network and all the great podcasters out there as well so i guess for uh Chip Nellinger, I'm Casey Seymour. Let's go move some iron, folks. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here.